When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Bunkerheads, Lang Grant Hoyland's college basketball podcast and the official podcast of your first place in the Big Ten Ohio State Buckeyes. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my co-host Justin Goba for 18 of this nonsensical show that they for some reason keep paying us to keep making. Justin, how has your week been? It's been good. Just getting over the flu. Uh, my COVID test came back negative, so I guess that's a good thing. Uh, but it hit me pretty hard. But we're back. We're ready to go. Uh, the Duke game was like at my peak of sickness, so that was nice to kind of take my mind off it for a little bit and just watch that. And then, um, you know, we're, we're back and we're, we're talking about some Ohio State basketball, which is good because football season is pretty much over, so I'm assuming – gonna have some people start paying attention here soon yeah if even if you're fair weather we will we'll take you along for the ride um yeah a lot of people have been getting sick lately like they're saying like you know if if folks are listening i don't care if you are pro vaccine anti-vaccine whatever i've just been told by several folks that like you know they're getting sick and a lot of people are getting sick right now i don't know if it's coronavirus or if it's the flu or not Um, i know i know a lot of people that have had like sicknesses and just negative covid tests like just the flu like Which is just, what I had. So maybe it's just going. It is flu season too, so it's probably just going. Yeah, around I never bit. got my flu shot either. I should probably do that as well. Um, anywho, so to lead off this week's episode, I thought it would be appropriate. We should just start start by paying our respects to the St. John's Red Storm. Our St. John's Red Storm. Um, their non-conference schedule, as we've talked about, had two good teams: Indiana and Kansas. They lost Indiana in a close game. And then they just got absolutely body bagged by Kansas this past weekend, which Kansas is a very good team, but they had them at home. Kansas traveled to um, New York to play. St. John's in New York, right? It's not Jersey. They're actually in New York, right? Yeah, they, don't they play at MSG? No, they do not play at MSG. Where does St. John's somebody play basketball? Plays, somebody plays at MSG. Um, where does St. John's play basketball? A St. John's podcast that doesn't actually know where St. John's plays basketball. Um, <laughs> I just guess the only arena I know in New York. No, they yeah, they play in Queens. They, they are not in New Jersey. They are in New York, New York. They're in Queens. Um, so Kansas went to New York, played St. John's, won by 20 points. St. John's Ken Palm rank drops down to 68. I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet that was like their RPI – dropped to like 110 or something which is just another metric that espn uses and that is used in march when it comes to the tournament um they have no more good teams on their non-conference and the other teams that were on their non-conference schedule were really bad yeah um 
they beat, you know, we, we talked about them beating the, the Fairleigh Dickinsons and the St. Francis's and the NJITs by a couple points. Um, unfortunately for our St. John's Red Storm, it just, it wasn't exactly the, uh, wasn't uh, the, the off, off season they were looking for. Uh, off season, non-conference schedule is what I'm going for. Sorry, I'm still getting over this sickness. Um, it wasn't the non-conference schedule they were looking for, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, we weren't really expecting them to be good. So, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say St. John's is dead. I'll say good St. John's is dead. Like they could make the tournament still because the Big East is nothing crazy. You know, if they go like 12 and eight in the Big East or something like that, maybe they make the tournament. But even if they make the tournament, I think we can still say they're bad. Like even if they're a tournament team, like we we know the truth. Yeah, because you know a lot of teams make the tournament, and sometimes bad teams do sneak in. Honestly, so like they're um, gonna get to play like the DePauls and yeah, the um, conference. The conference is not is not there right now. Like Butler has not looked great. DePaul is always bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgetown's not great, so they might like win some games. But I think even if like they make the tournament or they go five hundred in Big East play, I think that St. John's is bad, and I think that today is just like the definitive point where we can just say like like yes, that they are bad. The ship has sailed. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, they had enough cupcakes, even though they won't admit it. They had enough cupcakes to get through this at a, with a reasonable schedule, but um, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do them too well come tournament time. Well, now that we've got our three minutes of St. John's content out of the way, because that's what everybody comes here for, um, now we can transition over to the Buckeyes who just played Penn State on Tuesday. Could have been like a trap game or a letdown game, whatever you want to call it. Um, After beating the number one team in the country at home, you go over to Penn State, and I I don't have the stat for this, but I don't think they've won at Penn State in a few years. I thought somebody on the broadcast said that Kyle Young hadn't won at Penn State yet, and this is his fifth year of college. So that was a game that, you know, they would you would mark that as kind of like a potential trap game um, sometimes, but Ohio State was able to pull it out. Yeah, I'm even comfortable enough saying it's not even a trap game. Um, it's just a tough game. You know, Penn State, they're not a bad team, but they're a team that can score. They're a team that can put you in a bad – I mean, they saw they started that game off. They were – Seth Lundy was being aggressive. They were on fire. They started that game on that 12-0 kind of run to go up 12-5. I mean, they immediately kind of punched Ohio State in the mouth, and then from there on out, Ohio State looked really good. I think the first half was probably the best half of basketball they've played outside of maybe the second half against Duke. Um, just all together, they looked very good, very crisp. They weren't turning the ball over. Jamari Wheeler was very, very much playing that game to shut up the crowd. It was kind of fun to watch. He had an awesome game. Um, he was being aggressive offensively, which I kind of wanted to see a little more of come, you know, come Towson to Wisconsin. But, you know, I, I think that was a game that they had to have. For the most part, you know, you don't want to start 0-1. You don't want to have a letdown after Duke. Um, and for the most part, from about, I would say, eight minutes in the first half on, uh, I would say they pretty much were comfortably in control of that game. I, I, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer when it comes to, Ohio, you know, everyone talks about Ohio State letting teams back into the game. It's very difficult to blow out a team, especially in non-conference, especially on the road, especially when you've done it the entire game. I mean, they're up by 11 at the half. Um, it, it teams are going to go on runs. Teams are going to knock down shots. I get that there was a little bit of the the Ohio State kind of you know fun turn like the funny turnovers where Kyle Young 
just started running across the baseline for no reason and stuff like that. But also, it is difficult when when Penn State started fouling, they only had three fouls. So they can be extremely aggressive in going after the ball. And, you know, sometimes turnovers do happen. I don't think – I mean, Ohio State still won that game by 12. And I wouldn't say at any point in that game was I worried they were going to lose the lead. Um, the only time it looked like Penn State had any type of really momentum was they cut the lead to six. And then mm-hmm. Justin Arns drilled that three to make it nine. And from then on out, I, I don't yeah. really think – I don't think – I don't think that game got as close as people kind of made it out to be. I don't think that game was ever in jeopardy come late. Yeah, they kept him at a distance. I think it got down to six with like – it was like four minutes or something like that. I could pull it up. But then Arns hit that three, pushed the nine. And I think like once it got back down to like two minutes, they brought it back to six. But then you realize like, okay, it took Penn State a whole two and a half more minutes just to get this back to six. So a six-point yeah. lead, two minutes remaining – Obviously, a lot of stuff can happen, but essentially, if if you can hit your free throws and you're up six with two minutes left, you should be safe. Um, So, and and also, maybe it's crazy. Go ahead. I was just gonna say at that at that particular moment, what you're talking about um, when they cut it down to six with two minutes left, Penn State did have the ball, but they had kind of a weird possession where they took like 25 seconds off the clock and didn't do anything. And then Ohio State had a possession on the other end. They used the entire shot clock. They didn't get a bucket out of it. But just right there, that's only two possessions. You just used a minute of the clock. So that's, I mean, that's kind of all you're really going for at that point. And then with like 30 seconds left, they pushed it to eight. And that was that was the game right there. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like that happens in college basketball a lot where you, yeah, a, a team opens up like a 15 or 20 point lead. And then the team with that lead, for some reason, I don't know if it's like playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Like the team that goes up by 20 points or something tends to sit on it and kind of play more passively or comfortably. And the team that needs the points kind of starts pressing. I don't know. I, th- yeah. I, just, I feel like that happens all the time in college basketball. A team goes up by a big lead and then it, it always comes back. The lead never stays that big. The team never turns like a 20 point lead into a 30 point lead. The 20 point lead always breaks down to like an eight point lead. Yeah, and that's just because basketball is a game of runs, you know. So Ohio State went on a run to get out to get that lead out to eighteen or twenty. I think the highest they got it was maybe nineteen. I forget exactly how high they got, but it was eighteen to twenty. That range. It was, it was eighteen points. Was their biggest 18 lead? Was the biggest lead. Okay, so eighteen was the they pushed it all the way out to eighteen, and then Penn State went on a run. You know, Seth Lundy hit a couple shots. John Hare is one of the most aggressive guys they're going to face down low. Um, you know, he is going to be tough to stop. The fact they held him to twelve and twelve. 26 minutes, six for nine for the – like, I think they did a great job on him, honestly. He's going to get yeah, those kind of – those rebounds. Because in the box score, that's like a really, really, really good game. But when you're watching it live, it didn't feel like um, – no, he had no he had no impact. Yeah, it didn't feel like anything that he was doing was like – he was filling the stat sheet, but it didn't feel like at any point you're like, oh, man, he's really giving them trouble. I, I don't know why that is. Well, and those rebounds are kind of – they can be deceptive because I know like one possession he had like three rebounds, you know, in one, you know, because he kept missing a, a, a bunny layup kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, those things can also affect that. You had Jalen Pickett who had 23 points. He had probably his best game as a Nittany Lion. But also, you know, we talked to him before the game. He's three-time All-MAC, all, all All-MAAC, uh, all not MAC, Mid-America Conference, but the other one. Um, at Siena, he's a fantastic player. You know, he's going to be able to go in those little runs. Seth Lundy was five for twelve. Sam Sessions was two for seven. They held Miles Dredd to three points. I think they had a very, very overall 
a very solid game. They held Penn State to 64 points. They still outscored them in the second half, which I think I think was impressive. Uh, after going up 11, it's very easy to the other team to outscore you, even if it's just by two or three points. Uh, they still technically outscored them in the second half, which was nice. So I, I, you know, it was it was another game. It was a, kind of a weird game in terms of depth. Just looking at the the score sheet, uh, this was the only. This was it feels like one of the kind of the lowest games of depth they've had. Um, they had six guys play. 23 minutes or more, but outside of that, Miji Johnson played 15, Cedric Russell only played 10, and Joey Brunk played 7, and that was Jimmy it. Sotos, Jimmy Sotos did not play at all. Yeah, Sotos didn't play. Eugene Brown was available but did not play. Um, it seemed like they were kind of rolling with what they had for this one, and I think that might be just Holtman kind of, te- you know, all right, what can we do with just these five guys? What can we do with these six guys? Let's see. Um, you know, I think they're still testing out some lineups. I don't think they'll have – I mean, they won't have a rotation set until obviously Suing and Towns come back and they really see where they fit in. Uh, but, you know, I think they're still testing out some stuff. And um, I was pretty impressed with Orange on the day. I think he had a good defensive game. Malachi Brandon was very aggressive. It was fun to watch. Um, and then, yeah, Wheeler kind of did exactly what they need him to do. The 9, 9, 5, and 3 stat line is, is pretty perfect for him. Yeah, I think a lot is made up of – not made up like fabricated, but a lot is made of – Needing Ohio State needing a go-to clear concrete second score, myself included, because generally you, you would prefer that. You would prefer to have like Justice suing, like okay, clearly EJ Liddell is your best your best player, and your second option is going to be like suing. Most teams would like to be able to identify their number one and their number two option, and it's kind of frustrating. But maybe this Ohio State team just isn't going to have that. Because uh, in this game, you have Kyle Young, who had 16 points in like 26 minutes off the bench, seven rebounds, a great game, and he can do that. They don't run a ton of stuff specifically for him. It's more like if the defense lets him sit open, he's going to take a shot or maybe like an offensive rebound. But he has 16 points. Liddell had 14. Branham had 11. There have been games this season where Kyle Young scored fewer than five, and there have been games this season where Branham didn't score at all. So maybe, even though it's frustrating, maybe there are going to be some games – this season that you know you're not going to have a solid second score that you can identify we thought that maybe was zed key he had four points against penn state yeah and i think i think uh, kind of going back to your original point i don't think with these games they're looking for a second score i think they're looking for a third because i think just assuming will come back and he will be that definitive second score i think you can get as long as he's healthy that's obviously the caveat here as long as he's full go Let's roll him what we got with him. He's going to be 30, 35 minutes a game. You can get 15 to 17 points a game out of him. Um, that's what he, he averaged at Cal. He averaged 13 a game as a sophomore. So, you know, I, I think he can average that. So I think he can be your clear-cut second scorer. Um, and I think you're looking for a third with this, and it's probably either Kyle Young, Justice Arns, or Zed Key in general. Or Justin Arns, sorry. Um, just be, And they'll probably go back and forth. You know, you're not going to get these four for four from deep Kyle Young games all the time. He does look very comfortable back there, and I think he is a guy who can shoot the ball more. And I know today in their press conference, Jake Diebler said he's one of our better shooters in practice. We want him to shoot the ball a lot from deep. Um, you know, he's not going to shoot it. Per- you know, nobody's going to shoot it perfectly all the time. That's just not really a a, a reasonable expectation. But um, you know, he does look his, his stroke is crisp. He does look comfortable with it. So I think that's something you're going to see more often. And when he gets threes, they are wide open threes. Oh, and we'll see how open. much we'll see how much longer that lasts. 
Yeah. Uh, because if he starts knocking down shots like that, it's probably not going to last, you know, that much longer, but I mean, it makes sense. If you look at him, it's kind of funny watching him shoot threes. Cause I mean, he's, he's built like a rectangle, yeah, you know, no, he's just, yeah. he's so, he's so wide. So generally if you're on defense and you see this big meatball, get the ball way out there, you're like, okay, like that is the shot that I want you to take. Go ahead. And then he just starts yeah. canning them. It looks like a shot that as the coach, you wouldn't want him taking, but if he's hitting them, um, it's just, it's just another example that of this group here, besides Liddell, I don't know if you can point to one specific guy, you know, you said Arns, Branham and Kyle Young. And that's, that's kind of, that kind of reinforces the point that I was making is, you yeah, know, with this, a, with this one. group, you may not have a clear concrete behind Liddell. It's going to be guy. somebody different every game, which is which nice. Fans, yeah. And which fans don't like, you know, they don't want to hear that. They want the concrete. Who's our second guy. And you know, as us in the media, generally, we would also love to have a concrete second guy, but that's just not how it's going to be. Yeah, and it, it will be interesting to see what version of Justice are. Uh, Justice, this is getting confusing. Justice, Justice suing. Arns and yeah. and Justin, and Justin suing. suing. Yeah, w- what version of Justice suing we actually get? You know how healthy he is. You know they've been very kind of to the best about where he is health wise, which is fine. Um, you know that a lot of stuff doesn't need to be public anyway. But it'll be interesting to see. It sounds like they are kind of aiming for a conference play. Obviously not this version of conference play in January for him to come back. Um, and we talked about there's no real reason to bring them back now anyway just because you have you have Towson, Wisconsin, Kentucky from now in the next 11 days. They're not coming back in the next two weeks, so you can chalk that. And after that, you play New Orleans and I forget, uh, not a good team. And then you have conference play, so. You don't really need them until conference. Yeah, I forget who the second team is. It's not good. But it's New Orleans on the 28th, and then they play somebody on the 31st, and then they go into conference play. And we've even talked about the start of their conference play is not a difficult start. It's about as easy as it gets. So kind of like you said, you have Towson, Wisconsin, Kentucky in the next 11 days. It does not sound like Towns or Schilling will be back for those. And then you have University of Tennessee Martin on the 21st. Right. I'm guessing they probably still will not be back for that. And then you have New Orleans on the 28th. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. Holtman said a couple of weeks and, you know, I t- they credit to basketball. They give us more in- injury info than football does, but they're not going to go into much more detail than that. They're not, there's say a couple weeks, could be two weeks, could be four weeks, could, could be five weeks. So then you have New Orleans. And then after that, you start conference play with Nebraska is a road game. It looks like. And then I also believe Indiana is a road game, which that'll be a toughie. But then you have Northwestern at home. So, you know, you have two of three very winnable games and then a road game at Indiana that is probably a, probably a coin flip. And I know they played Minnesota like twice in the first seven conference games. Like, it's not a hard start. They're, when they're really going to need those guys is like late, is that little February stretch we've talked about that's like basically hell on earth. Um, you know, so as long as they can get them healthy. The third score, I don't think, is that big of a deal, just because you know teams that are that that deep are tough to stop anyway. I mean, when you had like, I mean, like a Duke, you know, you had Cedric Russell, who I probably going into the Duke game was what ninth on the team in scoring. He had 12, 12 of their biggest points. So, you know, when you have that kind of depth, when you have those guys that can jump in and, and make those shots, and you know, you have a Michi Johnson coming off the bench. I know he's been frustrating some people, but I think he's, I think it's a little bit overstated how his play, I think it's been fine. Um, you know, when you have these guys coming off the bench, it just makes it more difficult 
there's going to be days where one of your better scores is Jamari Wheeler, you know, because he just plays that much. He plays 37 minutes a game at this point. So, you know, he, when he had, he had nine points, nine assists, and three steals, um, he's a guy you have to worry about. So he, he's kind of doing exactly what he needs to do for this team. And then you just have to worry about, um, you know, the Kyle Young, you know, Kyle Young and Justin Arns. It was interesting yeah. because we talked about, you know, what what happens when a team tries to just completely take Liddell out of the game. When they double him, when they triple him, when they just say, look, we're going to make anybody else beat us. That's what Penn State did. They were trying to take Liddell completely out of the game and just say, let somebody else beat him. And they did. Kyle Young beat him. Malachi yeah. Brandon was five for nine. Justin Arns did a couple big shots. You know, Jamari Wheeler had four buckets. Like other guys did step up. And that's still two of their better scores weren't playing. So um, I think that's a strategy that teams are going to have to employ because Liddell's a 25 a game score if you don't. But there, it's not like this team doesn't have other weapons. It, it, you know, I, we talked about this. If, if your goal is to stop Liddell at all costs and that's leaving Arns and Wheeler and Young and Cedric Russell wide open for threes, I'm going to take that 10 times out of 10 because they're going to knock him down. So it's it's a tough team to strategize for defensively, and I think we're really starting to see that now with the Duke game and the Penn State game where yeah, they're just kind I of think, becoming I a little bit the, not unstoppable, but they're very tough to game plan for. The, the, pieces, are, the pieces are coming together. Yeah, you can see exactly. the pieces coming together. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And a lot of times Ohio State, the last couple of years, they've kind of like the fans, the people on Twitter, the angry masses will say that these Ohio State the last few years have, have peaked kind of November, December. They've gotten really, really good in November, December, and then kind of fall off where that doesn't look like it's happening this year. It looks like right now they're still a work in progress and the pieces are coming together, but they're playing really, really well. And this is a team that went nine deep against Penn State and Eugene Brown didn't play and Jimmy Sotos didn't play. And those are guys that you expect to get at least some minutes and Seth Towns and Justice Suing are not back yet. And those are both guys who are definitely going to be getting into every single game once they're healthy. So this is a team that, unless the rotation gets shortened, could go 12 or 13 deep. So the points per game, that kind of thing, um, you might want to take like the points per game with a grain of salt. You want to be more interested in how efficient they are offensively. Because if you have a guy like Cedric Russell who's – you can tell me if you agree or disagree. If you have a guy like Cedric Russell who is, say – hypothetically once all hands are back on deck if cedric russell is 10 if he's like the 10th guy in the rotation and he's averaging four and a half points per game or five points per game but he's shooting 50 percent from three that makes it so hard so hard to prepare for because whoever they roll in off the bench you're the second wave the third wave you're like okay we we do have to watch out for him as well like this is a team that could go 12 or 13 deep yeah 100 percent. and you have guys like Malachi Branham, Michi Johnson, Cedric Russell, all these guys are going to do is get better. They're only going to get, you know, for Russell, he's only going to get more integrated into the system and into the offense. Michi and Malachi are only going to get better on off- on offense. There's going to be some growing pains, of course. They're 18. But once they get going, I mean, Malachi, she hit some big shots against Penn State, and he's very confident. He's extremely confident. He can go up. I love his length. He can go up and hit shots over top of guys, which is nice. Um, same with Zed Key. Zed Key's only a sophomore. You know, these guys are only going to get better. And it, it's this team is making to be one. We kind of wondered, you know, who's going to replace Dwayne Washington? Who's going to replace Dwayne Washington? And it's looking like it's going to be kind of a replaced by committee. And I'm okay with that. You could end up having a team where EJ Liddell averages like 20 points a game. And then 
you potentially could have no other double digit scorers on this team, but you may have like seven guys averaging between like five and nine points per game. If you look at the stat, like at the end of the season, I think that somebody's going to average double digit, like probably Justice Suing, um, maybe Key will average 10 points, but it's not out of the question that you could have Liddell like leading the conference in scoring. And then you have a half dozen guys from Ohio State that are all averaging like eight points per game. And how yeah. the hell do you prepare? How do you prepare for that? <laughs> and that's what you're at right now. I mean, Liddell's literally averaging 20.4 a game. Zed's at 10 exactly. And then Kyle Young's at 9.6. Arn's at 8.3. Michi, seven points. Malachi Brandon's at seven points. Suing's at six, but that's just because he only played two games. Um, Jamari Wheeler's at six. You know, these guys are. Cedric Russell's at three, but obviously it's because he didn't play parts of the first, you know, five, six games. You know, it is tough to really zone in on anybody because they have probably eight guys at any given time who can drop 15 a game. Um, they're not going to do it consistently, but when you have eight guys who can drop a 15 in any given game, that makes it just as hard to defend against. And uh, that's a, it's kind of exactly where Ohio State's at right now. And it's it'll be very interesting to see. And they're starting to lock in on defense. And they're starting to lock in on defense. That's the craziest part is I'd still say they're a defensive-minded team first, which is which is what makes them so so lethal. I mean, they won the game against Penn State with defense because Penn State just could not get going except for that early 12-0 run. They only had 30 points in the first half. So outside of that 12 points in a three-minute span, the rest of the 17 minutes they had 18 points. You know, they really locked them up on in the first half specifically. And then against Duke. I mean, they were forcing Duke to take these jumpers that wasn't their identity. They pulled them out of their game, and that's how you beat good teams is you you, you take what they do best and you make them do something else. And that's what they did to Duke, and that's how they beat them. So that's what they're going to have to do against Wisconsin and Kentucky. And Last um, year's Ohio State team that a lot of people, myself included, most people are going to say last year's Ohio State team was a better team than this team. Last year's Ohio State team – and Ken Palm was, by the end of the year, the fourth most efficient offense in the country, but the 82nd ranked defense. And they finished the season number 11 in Ken Palm. This season, their offense has gone back to seventh overall in Ken Palm. So as much as you want to be frustrated with this team, losing Dwayne Washington, they've gone from four to seven in Ken Palm's offense. Still horrendous, a, horrendous very, <laughs> a very efficient offense still. And their defense has jumped from... 82 last year to 50 this year. They are the 50th ranked defense, which still is not where Chris Holtman wants to be, but a very, very clear improvement while the offense is only stepping back a little bit without Washington. So I don't know how to say it. The pieces are coming together. It's still a work in progress and people have to be patient, but you can see the pieces coming together where something, something great could be, could be brewing with, with this group. And that's, that's, that's a defense that has yet to have one of their better defenders which is suing. He's one of their best on-ball defenders. He's a guy who can defend really all five positions. Um, and Eugene Brown, he, too. Eugene, Brown's Eugene missed Brown hasn't played, yeah. So. Three of the nine games, he's missed a third of the season. Yeah, so and that's why I say I think they're defensive-minded, not because they're better on the defensive end, but because that's where they want to be. They're, because they know if they are just a good defensive team, their offense will win them games enough. They, if they can just – I mean, last year they were arguably a bad defensive team. And they were a two seed in the tournament, you know. So if they can just be a good defensive team, this they'll be they'll be a, a 27, 28 win team, and that's that's pretty key. 
And that's what Holtman's always done with his teams too. Back to Butler is they've always been tr- fundamentally sound defensive teams and then figure it out on the offensive end. It's just for some reason, the last two years have been, have been kind of the opposite. Ohio State has Towson on Wednesday night. By the time this comes out on Thursday, that that game will be over with. It's just that it's such a late tip off that we're not going to be able to record after it. So we're recording before. Um, I don't have much to say about Towson. I don't know much about Towson. Um, we're, the Ohio State's going to be predicted to win this game. They should win this game. They most likely will win this game. And then we move on to Wisconsin. But there's anything about Towson that you want to hit on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's another kind of – it's kind of like a – I guess at this point I'd call it like an Akron game. I mean, they're 6-3. and three. Um, They're not an amazing team, but they did just beat Kent State by 15, which is, you know, a top-five team in the MAC. So, um, you know, they don't – they have a very weird point spread as well. They don't score a lot. Uh, they're kind of – they kind of make their bones on the defensive end. Um, but, you know, they, I mean, they're not a – they're, they're a team that you just, at this point, especially coming off the Duke win, coming off the Penn State win, you just, you got to beat them. You know, you, you got to, these are the games. That we're, we're at the point to where, like, with the Akron game and the Agar game, you know, we can we can say, oh, you know, those games are just kind of, they're learning, they're getting to, they're, you know, the pieces are still clicking as long as they're winning. Now we're at the point to where the pieces are there. They're clicking, obviously, in a big way. Now you have to start winning these games you're supposed to win and comfortably. You know, and that's kind of the Towson. Their best player is Cam Holden. He averages 16 and 10. Um, Nicholas Timberlake is their second best player scoring-wise at 13.6. And then Terry Nolan averages 12.9. Those are the only three guys they have in double digits. So, you know, this is just a game that they average about 71 points a game, um, which is normal. So, you know, they're, they, they're this one, is a game they're they number, win. Yeah, they're 150 in Ken Palm, which isn't like – it's not like – I don't know what the words I'm looking for. Once you get up towards like 300 in Ken Palm, that's when you're like this. This team is objectively bad. Um, yeah, 150 is serviceable. I mean, it's not it's not bad. They're, one, they're 150. If you lose it, it's a pretty bad loss. But as far as tiny schools go, that's not as nearly as as bad as I thought they would be. You beat Kent State, which compared to Towson, Kent State's a very big school compared to Towson. Um, yeah, that's like a good. Played, that's a really good win for Towson, to be honest. They played Pitt. Which Pitt is a bad ACC team, but they lost to Pitt by just four points. Um, they beat New Mexico, who again, kind of similar to Kent State. It's like for them, that's a big game for Towson. So they beat New Mexico. They beat Kent State. Um, I don't want to say assume any wins because I don't want to go back and have this, you know, have this episode be put online and we're saying, yeah, they'll win. But it's a game they should win. It's just yeah. such a late game that we're not going to be able to like recap that you know, before this comes out, we should have the press conference though. Cause I'll be there. So I'll try to get the press conference and we should have the press conference, uh, and the next, this episode on Thursday. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, like I said, it's a, at this point, it's a game that I wouldn't be shocked if it was a six to seven point game at the half and Ohio state kind of runs away in the second half. One of those kind of games, cause they have enough scoring power to at least run with them for a little bit. And then Saturday night, Ohio state has, Saturday. An upstart, an up. It's what did you say? It's it's a noon. You said Saturday night. It's a, oh, it's a noon game. I have to. Yeah, that means Saturday's I have to get up and be there before eleven. Oof. Anyway, they've got Wisconsin on Saturday. Um, who 
I thought was going to be atrocious this year. I really thought they're going to be bad, and they still could be bad, maybe, but I don't think that's the case. They started the season. They're seven and one. They beat Houston, who obviously made it to the Final Four last season. Um, they're they're a good team. They they are a legitimate contender in the Big Ten. It is a very it'll be a good game for Ohio State. It'll be a game that Ohio State should be favored to win, though at home. Yeah, Wisconsin had a specific game this season that that kind of turned their tide, and it was the A and M game. They they went to the Maui Gym Invitational, and they were coming into that tournament. They came in at three and one, but they had played three legitimately cupcakes, and then they played Providence in the Gavit games that they lost to in a pretty. I lost it. I mean, Providence isn't a bad team, but they should have won the game. Then A and M, they were losing at the half. They were they were trailing. They didn't look good at all. They had a great second half, came back and won that game. Um, I believe they outscored them in the second half by uh, – my thing froze, but I'll tell you in a second. But they had a, a great second half that turned around kind of kind of their season. For, yeah, they outscored them by 10 points in the second half to win the game uh, by 11. Um, they you know, just pulled away. Uh, and A&M's a good team. And then they went and beat Houston the next, the next game in the Maui gym, which at the time they're ranked number 12 in the country. And they beat St. Mary's, who was, again, another good team. And they won all these games. All these were close games. Uh, and that just kind of turned around their entire season. People started to kind of take a take a notice in them. And they beat Georgia Tech in the Big Ten AC Challenge. That wasn't a huge – I mean, they beat them by four, but Georgia Tech isn't great. And they, they're they coming won off the, of – they, they won on the road, though. That's noteworthy. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, was on the road, and that's always a tough, tough place to go um, on the road in general. So – then they got Marquette at home and beat them by 13. That was one of their better games in general. Um, they do play Indiana Wednesday night, so that'll be kind of a, a good test to see where they are, uh, kind of a good measuring stick. And then um, they get Ohio State. I mean, their biggest, you know, they're, 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 there's no secret what gets them going. It's Johnny Davis and it's Brad Davison. Those two are averaging 36 points per game um, of Wisconsin's um, 70. So they're averaging, you know, over half their points. Uh, Stephen Kroll is averaging nine. Tyler Wall is averaging nine. And Chucky Hepburn, their freshman point guard, who I covered in high school at Bellevue West, a very, very good player, one of the better high school players I've ever covered. Um, he is averaging about 7.4 points a game. And he stepped in really well as a freshman to fill that point guard role um, alongside of Davison, who kind of plays that the, the point guard for them as well. They kind of both – they both play the one and the two. Um, they have a good starting five. Their depth – is of some worry, which we kind of knew coming in. I think that was a lot of the reason you thought they weren't going to be that good. Um, but also Johnny Davis has just taken a huge step forward. If it wasn't for him, there's a couple of these games they just simply would not have won. And, you know, whenever you can have a guy, as Ohio State fans know with E.J. Liddell, when you can have, whenever you can have a guy who's averaging 20 points a game, it just kind of changes the entire scope of your team. Um, and then obviously Davison's kind of their do everything guy. They're a pretty good shooting team as well. So it's it's just know. so yeah, it's just so hard to predict like who is going to get that much better. So like when you're when I'm do when I did like my season preview or whatever, when you're looking at their roster based on what they did last year, it was just it was really hard to point out where the points were going to come from because they lost Micah Potter, they lost Aleem Four, they lost Nate Reavers. They lost. There was another guy that uh, Demetri Trice, who's also I think a fifth year senior. They lost all of their scoring. I mean, Jonathan Davis averaged seven points per game last year. And if you've watched college basketball, you know that Brad Davison is like he really is not a very good offensive player. So I looked at that roster, and it's just like 
who is your guy? Is it Brad Davison, I guess? Is it Tyler Wall? Like that was, It just seemed gross. I did not think that Jonathan Davis was going to triple his scoring output from 7 to, like, I think he's at like 20.7 or 20.8 this season. Who would have expected that? Um, it, but it doesn't look like a fluke. He looks like he's a stud, like he is a legit star who yes, is yes. probably going to make the jump to the NBA, I'm going to guess, after this season, if this keeps up. Like, he is a stud. So I, that that is the X factor that I just did not see happening, and that's why I thought they were going to be bad. Yeah, and that's what you kind of – when it comes to – there's certain teams that, like Purdue, they bring back everybody, they're, they're set, they're good, you know, you, you know what they are coming in, right? Nobody that followed college basketball this year thought Purdue was going to be bad. They, came, they brought back everybody from a team that was very good. Then you have a team like Wisconsin who they do have pieces, but they lost so much you just don't know how those pieces are going to fit. It's, it's, it's in a different way than Ohio State. It's kind of the same. Ohio State didn't nearly lose as much, but they lost enough of their – you know they lost their starting point guard. They lost Dwayne Washington. You need to see where those pieces are going to fit. And um, for Wisconsin, they're just fitting very well right now. And, and like I said, if you know they were that Texas A&M game, they're winning by one at the half, right? If that game goes any different, if A&M wins that game, we're talking about an entire different season at this point, probably right now, because I, that would have been a bad loss. So, you know, it's those certain games that you win. It's Ohio State against Duke. You know, it's it's those certain games that you can win uh, that can kind of flip your entire season around, or it's the 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 bad way, which is like the Michigan against Seton Hall, where since that Michigan looked fine before that game, and since then they. They've looked like a shell of themselves. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see kind of where Wisconsin goes. Like I said, these two Big Ten – you know, everybody plays two Big Ten games right now. Uh, Wisconsin has played neither so far, and they play Indiana Wednesday, which as you listen to this, that game would have already happened, so we'll know. And then they play Ohio State on Saturday. So they have two tough conference games of the of their December games. Um, there will be a very good measuring stick as to exactly where they are. Indiana's playing pretty good ball too. Yeah, I think that I think that Houston win for them is gonna it could be wrong, but I think that Houston win is gonna be a lot like the Duke win is for Ohio State. That that win is just gonna keep getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter for them. It's kind of like a, a safety blanket for your NCAA tournament ticket. Um, you know, if if Houston keeps winning, which Houston plays in the they're still in the AAC, right? Where they play like Cincinnati and those schools. Mm-hmm. Houston's yeah. been running through that conference the last couple of years. So if they do that like we expect them to and they end the season as a top 10 team, um, that'll be a very nice win for them. And if Wisconsin ends the season, say, 11-9 and nine in Big Ten play or 10-10, and 10, you know, they're in the tournament because they've got, say, a, a win over at that point, maybe like a number seven or a number eight Houston, just like Ohio State with the win over Duke. Say Ohio State goes like 11-9 and nine in conference play, but you've got that, that Duke win sitting there. That's your that's your safety blanket. That's your ticket into the tournament. So, I think Wisconsin's already done a ton to you can't say punch your tournament ticket, but they've done a ton in the non-conference to really give themselves a nice little safety blanket there. Yeah, and it's it's a positive for Ohio State too because let's be honest, the Big Ten has not been what a lot of people thought it was going to be. There there are more disappointing teams than surprising teams so far. Uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge helped because they won that eight to six. And I think they they look better than they even than even that score would show, but you need these games. Like I mean, a, a stretch. Let's say if if they were to beat Kentucky, this is just a hypothetical. Let's say they they beat Wisconsin, Kentucky. This five game stretch of beating Duke 
at Penn State, Towson, Wisconsin, then Kentucky. That's a fantastic five-game stretch. That's two conference wins. That's two road wins. Oh, sorry, it's one road win. Um, you know, the CBS Sports Classic is a neutral game. So, but that's five. That's five good wins for the most part. Four and a half, whatever you call Towson. Um, that's just a very, very good five-game stretch, especially because now I have no idea where Florida is going to go after Florida just lost to Texas Southern, who was 0-7 going into that game, like that's going to go down as one of the worst losses this season for anybody. So that could completely derail their season. So our Florida loss could go from a good loss to a bad loss very fast. Um, so it's, you know, you need these kind of quality wins early, and Wisconsin being better than we expect them to be is just good because I still think Ohio State can beat Wisconsin. I don't think they're a better team than them. Um, and it's at home, which is huge. So I think – that can only be a benefit going forward. Yeah, it's it's a game that they should win. Um, you go on the road, you go on the road in January, and you'll play Wisconsin again in Madison. So it's a game that they'll be favored to win, and they should win. Um, we're getting close to forty minutes, so that was a lot in Wisconsin. I think in st- what we were going to do was run through the Big Ten standings just for folks that maybe have been paying attention more to football than basketball. Um, haven't been paying attention to teams other than Ohio State to this point, kind of give you every team's record a little bit about each team. We're not going to have time for that. So I think what we can do instead is I'll just run through and give the record of every single team. Um, Purdue is very good. We could do that. Purdue is good at basketball. And maybe once we're done with that, can give you, you know, maybe you and I can each point out, you know, one thing that somebody that people should know about one of these teams that kind of lays beneath the record. So you got Purdue is 8-0. That's how they start the season, 8-0. Number one team in the country for the first time in program history. Minnesota is undefeated at 7-0. They are supposed to be bad. They probably still will be bad. Indiana is 7-1. Wisconsin, we already talked about them bunch there, 7-1. Illinois is 7-2. A couple tough losses early, but they, it looks like they've settled it down. Michigan State, 7-2. Iowa, 7-2. Northwestern, 6-2. They've played a little better than we thought they would. Ohio State, 6-2. Obviously, we've talked about them a lot. Michigan is five and three, a uh, really popular national champion pick. Looks like that might not pan out. Maryland five and four. Mark Turgeon quit this week. That was pretty funny. Nebraska is five and four. Penn State is four and four. Rutgers is four and four. They might be the most disappointing team in the Big Ten. So it could be good. It could be bad. Like, what is one thing that you would want to tell somebody about any of these teams that maybe you can't see just based on the record? Yeah, Minnesota. That's uh, that's uh, smoke and mirrors. Their best win. They beat Pittsburgh by one, and it was a game winning. Uh, for them, it was like a it was a late game shot. I they we I need, we need to see more from them. And you want to talk about two tough games coming up? Their next two are against Michigan State and Michigan. So we're gonna find out exactly who Minnesota is very very soon. Uh, Do they have Mississippi State too? Yeah, but I don't, Mississippi State's not good. Um, so it's, it's that's probably that's probably their better win than Pittsburgh, but um, they did just beat. Yeah, Mississippi State is like Mississippi. a that is a solid win, but I think that. That Mississippi State's not a great team. They're they're fine, no. but I think that's like a monumental upset because of how bad Minnesota probably is. Yeah, no, I mean if Minnesota, if they even contend with Michigan State or Michigan, then we can start having this conversation. But um, I don't think. I, well, let's just we'll just say we'll see, and then we'll go back to the, after this, um, and then they have three more cupcakes. So you know, I mean, credit to them; they knew they weren't going to be that good. They scheduled an easy schedule, so. I don't blame them there. Purdue is just ridiculously – you want to talk about you don't know where to go to stop them. Um, I mean, you have Jaden Ivey who's truly, truly turning into a possible National Player of the Year candidate. 
I mean, he's been fantastic for them. He's averaging 15 a game. Zach Eady is averaging 15 and seven. He's eight foot. He's eight foot four tall. Travion Williams is averaging 12.4, 8.8, 2.5, 1.3. Um, just he's there. Do everything. Sasha Stevanovic, 12.3 points per game. He's one of the better shooters in the country. Brandon Newman, he's averaging 9.3 points per game, but that's only on 16 points or only 16 minutes played. He's also a fantastic shooter, shooting 40% from the from three. Um, they are a 76% free throw shooting team. Caleb First is their seventh leading scorer. He's one of the better freshmen in the country. Even going down the line, you have Mason Gillis and Eric Hunter Jr., who are only averaging six points per game and three points per game, but they're still very talented players. Like there's just no weakness on this team um, to 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 boot at this point, and I, I don't I don't think there's going to be a weakness on this team. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not predicting them to to run the table. I think that's just too tough in the Big Ten, but um, they're very very good, and they're a nightmare matchup for Ohio State as well. So I don't know how that's going to go when they play them. Buckeyes lucked out. They only get Purdue one time this season. It yeah. is at Mackey, January 30th, but luckily they only play them once. I would say yeah. the team that I would say is to look at is Nebraska. Um, they're 5-4. and four. They started the season with a, a loss to Western Illinois, which just just cannot it just cannot happen. It cannot yeah. happen. But they lost by one point. They have four losses um, by an average of a, a total of, I think it's like 4.8 points. Like they are losing close games they lost to NC State on the road in overtime. They played Indiana really tough, lost by seven. Um, on, also on the road at Indiana, they lost to Creighton in the in the Gavit games, which is also a tight game. And then obviously the one point loss to Western Illinois. But if you watch, um, this is a really really improved Nebraska team from previous years. I don't think they're going to be a tournament team, but I think it's the best Nebraska team that we're, that we've seen since Tim Miles was there. Um, as we speak right now, Michigan and Nebraska just started up. Wouldn't shock me at all if Nebraska beats Michigan at home. Um, so I guess the point is, they're five and four. They have some ugly. They have one ugly loss and a couple other close losses to good teams. Um, but they are they're better than their record shows. And even if they don't make the tournament this year, they it's it's the best Nebraska team that we've probably seen in four or five years. Yeah, nothing is. You don't have to do anything in December in college basketball. But I think this would be a very good opportunity for Nebraska to kind of start to maybe open some eyes if they can at least keep this Michigan game close. They don't have to beat them, but if they can just keep this thing close, um, I think that will open up some people's eyes around the at least around the conference. I agree. I think they're on the upswing. Go Huskers. I lived in Nebraska for a year. It's fantastic. It sounds like it's an absolutely wild and exciting place to live, Nebraska. Great arena. We had all of our high school state tournaments where we're at a – Pinnacle Bank and it's it's a at, great arena at at the vault. Yeah, and in yeah, where Nebraska plays in Lincoln. Yeah, it's called Pinnacle. Yeah, it's, it's Pinnacle Bank, right? It's called Pinnacle Bank. When Tim Miles was there, he like called it the vault and had that big light on the wall. It's called the vault. It's supposed to have a huge. Yeah. There's supposedly like big home court advantage. Not recently though. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting. It is an interesting place to kind of uh, to 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 be. I can see where he's coming from. So I, that makes sense. Very nice. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that's about Maryland's been a bummer and I don't know where their season's going to go from here. So, you know, with no coach. So, I mean, I do they, don't have, they don't have no coach. They have Danny Manning, which is like a very good coach. But, um, you know, whenever you go through, a, whenever you go through a, um, whenever you go through that stuff, it's just hard. Yeah. I think that they have a good team. And I still think that Maryland's going to make the tournament. 
I don't think they're going to be as good as I thought they would be, though, just because of all the, the the drama and the the staff change. You know, the new head coach, and I still think they're a very good team. I think they'll make the tournament, um, but they I thought they would finish in the top three of the Big Ten. That's just not happening. No, the, yeah, I think uh, I think they'll be like you said. I think they'll be probably like a maybe a ten or eleven, maybe maybe a Michigan State last year. You know, a, a first four team. So. We will see as the season progresses, but Maryland is definitely a team to keep an eye on just because of all of those changes and whatnot. Um, hopefully that summer of the season so far will help our seasonal basketball fans. Moving forward, you will know kind of what you're getting into and what you're talking about uh, because as we are self-proclaimed geniuses on this podcast. Many people are saying it. I've heard, I've heard people say it. It might have been my mom, but I've heard people say it. <laughs> But that's going to do it for us today. If you're finding this episode on the website, please also be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your music, Apple Music, Spotify, The Bum on the Street. If he's giving you mixtapes or something, he probably has our podcast too. Um, so, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a review. It always helps us. If people see five stars and that we're geniuses, not just self-proclaimed, they'll come on and talk to us. We've had some fun guests already. We're going to get some. It's hard to have guests during the season because we talk too much anyway. We like the sound of our own voices but we will have some guests on here soon. So uh, we will continue to release new episodes every Thursday throughout the season. That is every single Thursday. Um, so you can catch us weekly up until at least March. Uh, if you want to follow along on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at Bucketheads LGHL. Um, myself, I am at Justin underscore Golba. And the website is at LandGrant33. Connor, where are if you guys want to talk about basketball or if you want to just get updates on the games and stuff i am at most of the home games you can follow me on twitter at lamons underscore connor that's l-e-m-o-n-s underscore connor thanks for listening everybody have a great weekend and go bucks